Welcome to The Bridge Online. No matter where you're worshiping from, we are so glad to have you with us. This week, Pastor Doug has another message for us. So grab your Bibles and let's dive in. I want to start, um, I guess, a series this, uh, this morning, but it's going to be ongoing. So it's probably going to go through the year. Now, don't just relax. It's not going to be a one thing. I'm calling it Through the Bible. And so what I really feel impressed to do, we, we, we did this some last year where we just went into certain scripture or certain books of the Bible or letters, epistles of the, in, in scripture, and we just begin to study, right? Kind of almost line by line and chapter by chapter. And I feel impressed this year to make sure that we continue to do that because I want to know that as a church, we're rooted in the scripture, right? Like we have, we have good biblical knowledge. Peter said this, he said, desire the word, desire the word of God like a baby desires milk that you may grow thereby. So he gives us a key. The way we grow spiritually is through the word of God. And so obviously we're preaching every week and we want to make sure every week we're, we're preaching from the word, but, but there's something about systematic study that, that really kind of strengthens us. So we're going we're gonna to do that. That was my plan. My plan was to start in the book of Galatians. And so what I did is in my study, I went to the book of Acts to kind of read over once again how the church at Galatia got started. Well, as it turned out, I got stuck in Acts. So we're going to be in Acts today, and eventually we'll get to Galatians if the Lord's willing, right? Is that okay? Because how many of you want to say, we still want the Holy Spirit to have the final say in guiding and directing us? Would you agree? Amen. Okay. So Acts chapter 11 Starting at verse 19, I should get there myself, hang on, Acts chapter 11, and we're going to start at the 19th verse if you want to follow along with me. Now, those who were scattered after the persecution arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews. I want to just stop there. Let me, I got to lay foundation, okay, so stay with me, because I'm going to get to a really important point. We'll labor on that for a moment, and then, and then we'll close. So if you remember, we started a study on the book of Acts. I think we went like six weeks, and we actually got to, I think, eight or nine, chapter eight or nine. Well, what you're seeing now in the 11th chapter, this is after the stoning of Stephen. So after Stephen is stoned, man, it just causes chaos in the Christian community. A great deal of persecution arises, and as this verse says, the Christians are scattered. They're just, they're just pushed out of Jerusalem and they're losing their homes, they're losing their jobs, they're being wrongly and unjustly persecuted. But notice that this verse says that wherever the Christians went, they preached Jesus. And so right off the bat this morning, that in itself is a great lesson. True Christians talk about Jesus wherever they go. That's the reality. It's just, this is not, this is not a theory to us. Like, like if you're in college and you're taking theoretic courses, you're taking these courses and whatever, you, you rarely talk about that on your free time, right? Because you really don't care. Let's be honest. That's, this, that's not what this is. For us, we've had, we have this living personal relationship with the Son of God, with Christ. And, and so if you genuinely have that, you talk about Jesus at church, but you also talk about Jesus on the job. You talk about Jesus when you go on vacation, you talk about Jesus when you go somewhere. Like, Jesus is in you, right? And notice, that is, that is the mark of the early church. So even though they're being persecuted and scattered, Jesus uses it to spread the gospel. And so, and so that's what he wants to do to us. That's what he wants to do with us. That really is the best model for church growth. Many times churches are always trying to get people to come into the seats, but the reality is, if, if, the, if the church is talking about Jesus outside of the church, other people will want to come, right? They'll, they'll, it won't be, they won't care about what kind of music we sing, or they won't care about what kind of coffee we serve, or do we have lights or not lights. They're, they're going to want to know more about this Jesus you're talking about. That's, that's, that's ideally how the church begins to grow and develop, and that's exactly what we begin to see right here in Acts chapter 11. Now... What happens is the Christians go, they're talking about Jesus, and people start getting saved. And so the church leaders begin, they decide they're going to send Paul and Barnabas to go check it out, right? Now, really, all of this is in line with exactly what Jesus said would happen. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
You're going to be empowered by the Spirit to witness for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. And we're watching that literally just begin to take place. So Paul and Barnabas link up, and they're sent. We didn't, we didn't read it all, but let me just, I'll just skip to the 26th verse. It says, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so it was that for the whole year, this is, this is Paul and Barnabas, assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So this is, this is the first time that followers of Jesus are called Christians. So they link up. Now, this is what, what many consider Paul's first missionary journey, right? And you're going to hear about that some. If we're going to actually go through the Bible, you've got to get this. Let me, let me just help you. It will help you as you study. Here's why. Because when you're reading the letter, say, to the Ephesian church, or when you're reading the letter to Galatia, which we'll get to, when you're reading the letter to First and Second Thessalonians, that you want to know, how did the church at Thessalonica get started? Well, guess what? It's found in the book of Acts. It's starting now. See, Paul has had, an, had a conversion experience. He's got a call by God, and he's now, we're seeing Paul sent out. In fact, jump with me to Acts chapter 14. You'll, we'll, we'll see it maybe a little bit more clear in Acts chapter 14. No, no, no. Acts chapter 12. We gotta, I'm sorry, we'll get to 14. Go to 12 first. Go to Acts chapter 12, verse 25. You'll, we, we need to read this. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Let's keep reading. Chapter 13. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, Now separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. Okay, so they go check out what's going on. They come back to Jerusalem and report. And then they begin to pray and fast. Why? Because they want to hear what God has next. Notice, this is kind of the second thing that is characteristic of Christians. True Christians pray for God's direction. True Christians pray and fast, asking for God to guide them. Many things are in the Bible. A ton of information is here for you in life, in godliness. But there's some things that aren't very clear in the Bible. I have a job offer, but I'm already at a job. Well, I don't know. It seems like this might be a good opportunity. But Holy Spirit, do you want me at the job I'm at now, or do you want me at the job that's being offered to me. You, there's no verse. There's no scripture verse that's going to tell you, thus saith the Lord, take the job in Cincinnati. It's not in there. How do you know? You're a person of prayer. And you're a person that has the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so even though this is, this is big time, right? These are the founders of the church, and I understand that. And you and I aren't making those types of decisions, but God still cares. He still guides his people. Right? He's, he's, still, he's still building a kingdom, and he's using you to do it. And so, so I love this second, this simple truth that we learn that, that Christians pray and fast, seeking for God's direction. As, as the apostles are doing that, the Holy Spirit says, I want Paul and Barnabas to go somewhere else. And this is, it's, again, it's, the, it's Paul's first missionary journey. What ends up happening is Paul and Barnabas go to a place called Cyprus. It's an island there, and they begin to preach. And then ultimately they go to another place called Iconium, and then Antioch. And so what happens when Paul goes there is he finds a synagogue, and he starts preaching Jesus. Right? He just, he just, there's no churches. There's no Christian system like you and I are familiar with right now. But he has a fiery message in his heart. He wants to tell the people about the resurrected Christ. He wants to tell them about the blood that Jesus shed. So he goes to the synagogue, and he just starts preaching Jesus. And the Jews, they're not really excited, but the Gentiles, their ears perk up and say, oh, we want to hear more of this. And so they say, look, come back next week on the Sabbath, and we'll be here, and we'll listen if you'll preach more of this, because we want to hear what's being said. And so the next week, a huge crowd of people show up, and once again, Paul Barnabas, they're just preaching Jesus. Well, now the Jews are getting envious. You see, the Jews are teaching still the Old Testament law, many things that really weren't from the heart of God. 
There were add-ons and additions that often religious people do, right? Yokes and bondages. And by this time, the people are like, that's so boring. That is dead. That, what do you mean? What? You want me to do this? That doesn't, there's no access to God through that. But Paul comes preaching this resurrected. I can have a relationship with the Father through his son, Jesus. What? The Messiah has come? They're stirred. No one's coming to listen, and to listen to the Jews preach. But now, all of a sudden, the place is packed when Paul's preaching Jesus. So religious people do what religious people do. Pride rises in their heart. They get angry, and they start bringing some pressure on Paul and Barnabas. In fact, so much so that they run them out of town, and they end up going to another place. And I want to pick it up right there, if you will, in Acts chapter 14. This is where we were going to go. Acts chapter 14, starting at the 19th verse. Because now they've been run out of that Cyprus. They've been run out of that city. And now they find themselves at Antioch. And listen what happens. The Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, having persuaded the multitudes. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day, he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. And this is where I got stuck. This is what began to fester and boil in my spirit all week long. I'm trying to get to where the Galatian churches started. But the Holy Spirit won't let me get past this scene. What stuck out to me this week was the perseverance of Paul. Perseverance. You know what perseverance is, right? Perseverance means you're persistent even when it's difficult. You're persistent even when there are delays. When there are letdowns, you keep going. Now, I want to bring this back. Think of what's going on. Paul, Paul is a young missionary now. He we know he becomes a seasoned veteran, but at this point, he's no seasoned veteran. This is his first missionary journey. This is his first opportunity to go and to begin to preach, and he's watching people be saved, and they're receiving the gospel, and things are going great, great, and then all of a sudden, he hits a wall. The wall is the people rise up and say, we don't want to hear this. You're not welcome here. They take him outside of the city, and they stone him, and they think he's dead. Now, think of this for a minute. You're a young Christian missionary. You're a young Christian pastor. You're a young Christian Sunday school teacher. You know, maybe you volunteered this morning. We had 91 children in children's church this morning. And you're gung-ho. And you're going, yeah, I'm going to change the children for Jesus. And then you go back and they give you a beatdown because those kids are rough. <laughs> and all of a sudden, midway through, you're thinking, oh my, what have I done? No, no, for Paul, it was real. He literally gets stoned. I mean, come on. If that's you or me, don't you think? He gets up. The Bible says he gets up. And immediately, the next day, like he had to have a few hours. Like when you get stoned, come on, I want you to stay here with me. I'm telling you, I need you to get this image. You, you, you could imagine what stoning was like. Like it's literally they, a group of people pick up stones they're not like pebbles, like rocks. It was a form of, it was a form of killing. It was a form of, of murder. And they threw rocks at this man. Not at his, just his legs. They're throwing it at his head. They're throwing it at his chest. They're hitting him. They're pounding him. So much so, he's laying on the ground. They think he's dead. They wanted to kill him. And they think he's dead. Some suppose maybe he was dead. Maybe God raised him. We don't know. But he took a beating. He took a beat down. He gets up and the next day just goes back to business as usual. And the next thing we know, we pick it up. And not only that, he goes back to the city that he was warned. Don't ever come back here again. You're not welcome here. 
We don't want to hear your message anymore. You're not welcome here. So you would think after you get stoned, you're going to quit going to places that don't want you. But that's the exact opposite of what Paul did. Why? There was a fire in this man. There, there was a message that was burning inside of Paul. Would you agree? There was something inside of him that said, there's no way I'm going to quit. I know this is God's will. He had such a love for Christ. In fact, he loved Christ more than he loved his own welfare. Think of that for a minute. I know as you and I sit here in modern Christianity in this century, in the way we've all grown up, this seems as strange as could be. But I want, to, I want you to understand this was not strange for the early church. Paul so wanted to do the will of God that he would take a beating for it. He'd, he'd take a stoning. That's fine, I'm, but I know i got to preach. i got to tell these people about the love of God. I've got to tell them that God loves them. i got to tell them that Jesus, his son, has come to the earth, that he spilled his blood for them. I've got to tell them. Paul, they don't want to hear you. I know, but I've got to tell them. They have to know what God has done on their behalf. Paul sold himself completely to the service of Christ. He exemplified perseverance. But here's the thing, and here's what got me. It wasn't just the apostle Paul, because I could, you'd be like, well, you know, he was an apostle, and maybe it was like a supernatural perseverance given to him because he was an apostle and he needed it. But here's the reality. He wasn't the only one getting a beat down. He wasn't the only one suffering. The scripture makes it very clear that the entire church is going through stuff. You see, what I'm saying to you is perseverance was not just a characteristic of Paul. It was characteristic of the church. Perseverance. They're, they're being driven out of their hometowns. They're being driven out of their homes. They're being driven away from their jobs and their income and their livelihood. Families are being split up as some are being dragged into jail. All for only thing they're doing is preaching Jesus. Peter later begins to give an exhortation to the church and he says, Look, if you suffer because you did something wrong and you broke a law, there's no benefit in that. Whatever, you deserve what you get. You broke the law. It is what it is. But he said, But as a Christian, if you suffer for doing good, oh, that is special. I'm reading that this week, and I'm going, God, how far removed are we from this very clear spiritual truth? How far removed are we from this idea of I'm so in for following Jesus that no matter what happens, I'm not quitting. I'm going after the Lord. I'm going to continue to follow God. I said to the first service, some of us are old enough, we've been in the church long enough around the culture, and we remember the older saints when we were growing up, and, and if you're, especially if you're kind of from a Pentecostal bent, you, and they would say about someone, they would say, well, they got good and saved. It's not really theologically accurate, but, but you knew what they meant. You know what they were talking about? They, they were saying, like, like, it caught, like they really got saved. Why would they have said that? What, what, what would they mean? Because they had been in church long enough to watch as many people come through the doors and many people at their darkest hour and their need when their marriages are falling apart or when they're in jail or when they're hooked on drugs or they need money or whatever it is, come to Jesus and come to the generous people of God. And in and, 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 and many ways, we're not judging, we don't know, they, they kind of begin to accept or receive it. But then fire comes, trial comes, difficulty comes. And they're gone. But then the old saints would say, but then, but then there's this person. And, and, and the reason they would say it really took for them and, and, and they got really saved is because they watched them go through the fire and go through the difficulty and go through the opposition. And they stay true to the faith. And they stick with it and they persevere and they say, well, the only way they could really be doing that is because they really, it really took. That's what they meant. That's what the, the old saints meant. And see, that, that in itself is biblical because Jesus said that's how the seed of God's word is. God's word finds soil and, 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 and sometimes it finds its soil and, and then it says the heat and the rocks and, and, and it comes. And he says, that's, in other words, it gets hot. It gets difficult. 
It's no longer cool. It's no longer, you know, it's, it's no longer uh, exciting to be a Christian. Now you're being oppressed. People are making fun of you. People are saying things about you. People don't want to hear your message anymore. They're tired of hearing your testimony. It's going to get hot. It's going to get difficult. And Jesus says, the seed just is stick, taken away. It's just, it doesn't develop fruit. And then sometimes it's just simply the weeds or the cares of this life start to choke out the word of God. Jesus made that very clear. But I'm telling you, Paul and the early church, they had it. Because they're willing to take a beat down. They're willing to lose something. They're willing to sacrifice something to continue in the faith. Not to be saved, but to continue in the faith. But I want you to know this morning, that requirement has not changed It's still the same thing that was required from the early church is still required of us. In fact, the Bible is full of exhortations. Don't quit. Keep pressing on. Don't back down. Don't lose your fire. Don't get rid. Keep your passion. Why are there so many passages of scripture, including telling us to encourage one another to not quit, to keep going, to keep pressing on? Why would that be themed throughout the New Testament? Because God knows that we are going to face opposition. Here's the reality. You will face opposition. You will be opposed. Naturally and spiritually. You will be resisted against. If you are a true, if you have set your mind and your heart to follow Christ, you will face resistance by the devil, by people, and even by family. Jesus made it very clear. He said, I didn't come to bring, to bring this together. I come to divide families. And, and really what he meant is it wasn't like he didn't literally want to divide families, but he's just saying it's going to happen. Do you know, this is so foreign to us, but to not today, if I was preaching this in, say, the Middle East, and a Muslim woman was in the crowd, and she heard a sermon, and she was determined to follow Jesus, and she gave her life to Christ, and then she went home to her family to tell them how exciting it was. Her sins have been washed away. She's been forgiven. She has new life in the Son of God. She's found the Messiah. Do you know what they would most likely do? Well, if they don't cut her head off, they're certainly going to disown her. Families are split because of Jesus. You don't deal with that. But most of Christians in, on the globe do. You might deal with, you're going to church again today. This is funny. This morning I got off on a little rant. And I'm going, oh, you're going to church today. You're going to have very, and someone in the church came to me and said, I'm dealing with that. Somebody this morning in my own family was making fun of me and getting on me because I wouldn't go to breakfast with them. And I went to church instead. But, but that, though we, we will deal with those things. It's, it's not comparable to what Middle Eastern Christians or maybe Christians in China are dealing with, but it's still, nonetheless, there's go, what I'm trying to say, there's still going to be opposition. If, if it's not from people outwardly, it's going to be inwardly. It's going to be voices. It's going to be the lies of the enemy. You're not good enough. You're not going to make it. You, you're, you know, it's anxiety, overwhelming anxiety, overwhelming depression, overwhelming foreboding. I mean, always, constant. Paul said it's, it's, it's from the outside and it's from the inside. There is resistance to the Christian. That's the reality. Jesus made it very clear. If the world hates you, know this, it hated me first. And then he goes on to say very clearly that the student is not above the master. If, if they persecute me, they will persecute you. Folks, there is, there is opposition to you. There is, there is a great opposition against you. Pushing back. They want to keep your mouth quiet. They don't want you to speak. When I say they, I'm talking about powers, principalities, spirits, demonic things and natural things. We're, we're watching it now in our government. We're watching it in society. It's becoming very clear. If you don't have a spiritual kind of lens and you can't see it spiritually, you certainly by now are seeing it naturally because the natural things are way behind the spiritual. But now the natural is starting to catch up and it's becoming very clear that there are opposition forces working against you to keep you quiet, to cause you to quit, to take your fight. <laughs> 
You see, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to take out your fight. He doesn't want you to fight spiritually. He doesn't want you to be a person of passionate prayer. He doesn't want you to be a person who, like the early church, prays and fasts, seeking God's direction. Lord, where do you want me to be? Who can I speak to this this week? What doors may you open that I could walk through for the glory of your name? I'm living for you, Jesus. So, So what can I do? The devil does not want you to pray that way because that's called fighting. That's called fighting. That's called being spiritually in warfare. He doesn't want you praying and interceding for your family. If you you missed a couple of weeks ago when we had prayer, we had a special time where the Spirit of God swept into this place and all over this altar, literally covered of people everywhere, mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, weeping and wailing and interceding for wayward children. That was spiritual warfare. The devil doesn't want you to do that. That, that's, That's how we fight. That's how we keep going, right? That's, that's our stick to that's what, that's what we. The, the, the danger is to quit doing those things. For Paul, it was literally preaching. For us, yes, there's preaching involved. There's sharing the gospel. That is involved. But, but there's also the stick in the fight through prayer. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep praying. Keep trusting God. Keep fasting. Keep reading your word so you can get, so you can get nutrients and strength. Keep growing in the things of God. Because resistance is all around you. In Matthew 24, verses 12 through 13, as Jesus is speaking about what the last days will look like, he says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And folks, we are watching words of Jesus that he spoke 2,000 years ago play out right before our eyes. We are watching in our society, it's happened in other societies already, but in our society, in America, we're watching as lawlessness is abounding. Not just just what you see with the natural eye, but a lawlessness. Lawlessness means, in essence, at its root, is saying to God, you have no right and authority over my life. You can't tell me who to love, you can't tell me how to act, you can't tell me what to do, where to go, who to be. You, You have no claim over my life. I'm an independent person. I can do and choose and be whatever I choose and want to do and be, right? I'm independent of God. And folks, if you don't think there is a lawlessness that has absolutely swept our land, you're deceived. There's a clear lawlessness. And Jesus said this lawlessness will cause the love of many to just wean, to just, people will just quit. Just, I'm, you know what? I can't handle this anymore. I'm just I'm just done. I know he wants me to love people. I, get, I can't handle this anymore. I can't handle these people. I can't handle this family. I can't, I'm just done. I'm going to quit. That's, that's, that's what he's saying. Because, folks, it's the love of Christ in us that drives us. It's not a sermon. It's not a theory. It's not study of scripture. This is, Christianity is not a teaching religion primarily. It's a supernatural religion where, where the very God we serve lives inside of us. Right, And he empowers us to do what he's called us to do. And so so if the love that is within you and the love that you have begins to grow cold, guess what happens? You're going to quit. I'm telling you, there's no one in this room, starting with me, that is disciplined enough, strong enough, powerful enough in in their own selves to keep in the fight in the present climate that we're in. But Jesus says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. The word endure means to stand firm, to hold out under pressure, to wait courageously. I love this. It is active, energetic resistance to defeat. That means like, I'm not quitting, and I'm not giving up, and I'm surely not losing. And you're like, well, how, how, how could you have, how, what is Jesus saying? How can you be, how can you have that? Because that's what Paul goes back, by the way. If you go back to Acts chapter 14, verse 22, that's where we left off. Notice that he gets up the next day, he goes, and the, he goes to the church, and the Bible says that he strengthens the souls of the disciples, and he exhorts them, stay in the fight. It's continue in the faith. Stay in the fight. 
He's telling them, like, yes, there is going to be resistance. This is reality. This is, this is what you signed up for. There is a fight to keep you signed. There is, a, there, is, there is a fight to take out that love, that passion, that drive in your spirit that will fuel you, that will keep you going. It wants, there is, there are, there are forces seen and unseen that will try to suck the life, the spiritual life out of you. But stay in the fight. Don't quit. Keep going. Don't, and so what he's telling them is, I love this because I, I, this is what just stuck with me. And I want you to get this image in your head before we close. Can you imagine Paul? Now, I don't know. We know he got up the next day. Like, so I'm, even though Acts is a snapshot, I don't know how long from the time he took the stoning until he's talking to the Christians. But I like to believe that he's still got the marks. Even if the blood wasn't, wasn't dried He's at least got the scars of the stoning he took at Antioch. Now, I want you to imagine with me for just a moment, because this is what's burned in my spirit all week. I want it to burn in yours. Can you imagine if you were in that meeting? I like to think that the blood was still fresh and, the, and that his eye, at least one of them, was, was swollen shut and bruised all around his face. That his lip was probably hanging down where it was split and a couple of teeth were probably gone. He probably had still had some eggs where the swelling of the blood pooling up in his, in his skull hadn't really gone away yet. He's probably not able to stand for very long. He's probably sitting while he's telling them this. But, but that man is saying to the Christians, don't give up. Keep fighting. It's going to be worth it in the end. I know, I know you're going through. Can you imagine this coming from? I know you're going through a hard time, but it's going to be okay. Jesus is with you. The Lord's got your back. Just don't quit. Just don't back, just don't back down from this. Don't be afraid of it. God's got something better. God's got a plan. God's got something for the future. I mean, there's a reward waiting for you, church. Just keep going. It's going to be worth it all in the end. Could you imagine being in that setting? Because that's what's happening. And, and, and what he's doing is he's reminding them this, this truth. And if you're writing down notes, just write this down. He's reminding the church and he's reminding us today of this same principle because it's still alive and well. And that is this. Victory comes through battle. You, you can't have victory if you don't have a battle. We, we've got this form of Christianity that says you just, you just get victory. Wait a minute. You don't get victory unless you go through a battle. You, you, don't, you get the ultimate victory of salvation in Christ without that battle. That, we're not talking about that. We're talking about life. We're talking about going through life. You do not get victory without a battle. Triumph only follows trial. You, you've probably heard it said this way. The only way you have a testimony is if you have had a test. Right? The, the triumph only follows trial, folks. And, and really, the reality is only a weak view of truth pretends otherwise. Because a weak view of truth, weak preachers and weak preaching and weak, weak theology that doesn't align with Scripture, they can't explain the power of Christ within. They're, they're, they're caught on, on theories and, and, and Instagram posts and and followers, and look at me, and look at our church, and look at our blessings, like we talked about last week. And, and, and it's, all, it's all a facade. It's all, it's all show. It's fluff. If, if I could just say it this way, it's just weak. And, and, and any real person that desires truth knows that what I'm telling you is true. The Bible teaches very clearly that suffering and trial and other human difficulties are unavoidable. But it also teaches that in all of it, trial and human difficulty and suffering, all of it can be overcome through the cross. All of it can be overcome through faith in Jesus. All of it can and will be overcome as you and I keep our eyes on Jesus. In fact, the verse of scripture that everyone in this room knows about, Philippians 4.13, please, someone make me feel good and let's, let's quote this before we even go there. Philippians 4.13, 4, I can do all, 
Every one of you know that verse. And most of us use it out of its context. Do you know that that verse, which is an amazing, just makes you feel good, doesn't it? You can just quote that, you feel good. Do you know that Paul gives us that verse in the context of talking about dealing with trials? Let, let, me, let me read it to you. Philippians 4. Let's read 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. You see, the church wants to bring Paul an offering, but he's in jail, he's in prison, he's getting ready to die. This is at the end of it all. This is now through years, decades of him preaching. But guess what? With the preaching, it's just the life of Paul. His life is what I'm preaching. Paul's life, there's great victories. Entire churches started. Multitudes being born again. Multitudes being saved. The miraculous taking place. Signs and wonders following the preaching of the gospel. But along with that come more beatdowns. More imprisonment. Shipwreck. People that he thought was on, him, on his side betraying him and talking about him and turning against him. That's his life. Now at the end, when it's all done and he's in prison and he's just ready, he's just content. He's like, this is, this, is, this is what it is. This is what it means to be a Christian. There are really great victories and there are times of really like exuberant rejoicing for what God has done. And then there's times when I'm left at sea holding on to a piece of driftwood in the middle of the night, not knowing where or when I'm ever going to be saved. And he says, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. In other words, I know how to, I know how to drift on some driftwood. I know how to take a stoning. Could you imagine, like, imagine if Paul could just switch me, and he would be the one preaching to you for a minute. Like, I don't want to belittle anyone's problems in this room. Because your problems are as serious as a stoning, okay? Like, I mean that. Your problems are real. But at the same time, if you're listening to Paul, you're probably going like, I can get through this. If, 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 he, if God did this through him, I can get through what I'm going through. Don't you think? Like, that's most likely what you would begin to feel. He, he says, I know, how, I know how to go through good times. This is what I love. He's saying good times, like we heard last week, are sometimes more tempting and more dangerous than the bad times. Because good times cause us to sometimes maybe, maybe just coast. Good, good times will, if we're not careful, cause us to let our guard down. You ever watch a fight, you know, a physical boxing match or something, and the guy, and then he'll get a little cocky, and the dude's got a little bit left in the tank, and then he just comes, and it's done. He whips him. That's what we all watch those fights for, isn't it? Like, that's really what we want to see. And it, periodically it happens. And, and that's why if you're, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not an expert on this, but like MMA, they're taught, you don't stop until that referee completely, you think it's just being violent. It's not being violent. That fighter knows, if I let off this man, this man's going to do what I'm doing to him. He's going to do it to me. Right? So he doesn't stop. And, you, you know, some of you are watching, like, oh, why doesn't he stop? He doesn't stop because he knows that's what's going to get it. He's going to get the same thing. He's not stopping until the referee stops the whole thing. And sometimes for us, like, when things are going good, we just, we just drift, don't we? We just, and, and, and even worse, sometimes we allow pride to enter in our heart. And Paul's like, I've learned, man. I, I've, I've learned. I'm not going to get proud. Oh. I, I know how to rejoice. I know how to give God the glory. I know how to be grateful. And I know how to, how to, how to embrace the good times. Because there are many, many good times. There are glorious victories. Right? Come on, somebody. This isn't gloom and doom. I'm, let's, I'm, it's real talk. There are glorious victories in Jesus. And we need to know. We Yes, I know how to deal with those. But then he's like, I also know how to deal with the lean years. He says, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. And then he says, I can do it all through Christ who strengthens me. What a glorious verse. I think, I think Paul used that verse first at Antioch. That's just my opinion. I don't have any credibility in that, but I'm just telling you, like I think that's what he was saying with his, 
eyes swollen shut, his lips split open, teeth missing. And he's like, listen, guys, you can, man, it, well, I didn't enjoy that beat, but I can do it through Christ. As long as Christ is with me, I can make it to the end. As long as I've got my eyes on Jesus, no matter what comes against me, I can get through it. I can make it through the fire. And that's what Paul's teaching. That's what, that's what he's saying. And then he says, listen, make no mistake that we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of heaven. Folks, we're not guaranteed an easy life, but we are guaranteed the promise of victory. Can I say that again so you'll get it? You're not guaranteed an easy life, but you are promised victory. You're promised provision. You're promised strength. You're promised help to get you through whatever it is you face. No matter what you, what, whatever it is that's resisting and standing against you, you have the promise that Christ in you is sufficient to bring you through. Somebody should say amen and put your hands together for that. I want to end. I want to end with two verses really quick. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 16. I'm going I'm to read you two verses or, or two passages, one in Luke 16 and then one in Matthew, and we're going to close. Because this morning, the reality is Christianity is not for the passive observer. It's not for the faint of heart. And whoever maybe told you that or, or caused you to think that way, I mean, I hate to be the one that tells you otherwise, but I'm going to show you in Scripture that's not the reality. In, in fact, in, in Luke chapter 16, I think Jesus is saying that very clearly. Luke chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus says, the law and the prophets were until John. In other words, until John the Baptist came on the scene, we were under the Old Testament law and the Old Testament covenant. But then John began, began or started the era of the new covenant, right? The Messiah, I'm here. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. Isn't that strange word verbiage from Jesus? What do you mean, pressing in? By the way, that used to be an old saint of God term that I would hear when I was young. I'm pressing in. We used to sing songs about pressing in. Come on, anybody in this room been in the church long enough to say, I've, I remember those words, Pastor. I know that. I used to hear that. We don't teach, we're not, we don't even teach this anymore. We're doing a great disservice. We're creating weak Christians because we're not teaching you. You have to press in, man. You got to fight. It doesn't come easy. Victory doesn't just come easy. It's a, there's an opposition against you. There's, a, there's forces that want you silenced and quiet. There's forces that want you huddled up, depressed, anxious, locked in on social media, locked in on TV, never praying, never being effective. Why? Because your enemy knows better than you do when you obey the word of God and you step out in your spiritual authority given to you by Christ, you will do great damage to the kingdom of darkness. So he's got to take your fight away from you. But Jesus said, no, we gotta, you got to press in. you gotta, you got to press toward. That's what even Paul used that word. I'm just now thinking. He says, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I, okay, now, remember that verse, and let's go, because this will help, Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Again, Jesus is teaching. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women... There has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's a reference to us that are going to be the followers of Christ. Now listen to what he says. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he says this, but to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces, calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. Now, I'm going to admit that some of this is difficult to fully understand. And I don't know that I have the full 
understanding of everything that Jesus is saying. But I want to focus on this verse where Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violent and the violent take it by force. How strange. What in the world could Jesus be talking about? I think in some way Jesus is speaking to the fact that the kingdom of God advances through violent spiritual conflict and warfare. That's the reality. The way the kingdom of... Remember, we're to pray in the Lord's Prayer, let your kingdom come. Well, how does the kingdom of God come? How, how is it revealed? It's revealed when light penetrates darkness. Jesus is light. You are the light of the world. Light is only effective when it, when it encounters darkness, right? Go this afternoon, no matter how cloudy it is in Indiana, for the 35th day and they were in a row. Doesn't matter. Even this afternoon, you can take a flashlight, and it's just not very effective in the middle of the day. But you take that flashlight tonight in the dark, and now that thing can get it done. You and I are only effective as we're confronting darkness. And we confront darkness as we pray. We pray against darkness. We pray against the powers of hell. We pray against things that are coming against our children, against our marriages, against our church, against our society, against our nation, against our president, against our leaders. We have this authority in the spirit to pray against these spirits of darkness. But we also have this ability, right, to walk into a room and bring light. To walk into our, to our place of work and bring light, bring hope. Bring joy. Bring, bring a sense of some kind of good future ahead. Are you with me? And, and I think that's what Jesus is teaching. He's saying the kingdom of darkness will, or the kingdom of God rather, will advance through violent spiritual conflict and warfare. That is, that is fasting. That is prayer on your knees, praying in the spirit. That's reading the word of God. That's going forth and obeying what God's word calls you to do. That's being a bold voice. When it's not popular to be a bold voice, it's being a bold voice of truth. When, when right now you're being told if you say something, you're going to offend somebody. If you say something, you're a bigot. If you say something, you're intolerant. If you say something, you're going to be ostracized. If you say something, you're going to lose your job. I understand. But guess what? That's where we're at. Whether you like it or not, you cannot and I cannot change that fact. That is where we are and it's only going to get worse. So the question is, are you just going to quit? Is that, is that what you're going to do with this whole testimony of what you and I are called to be? You're just going to quit? You're just going to say, oh, i got to be careful. Now, Pastor, you don't want to offend anyone. I've been hearing that for like years. It just, it literally makes my skin crawl. No one is advocating purposely trying to offend someone. No, no, no one is advocating going out and being a Bible thumper and telling people they're going to hell and telling people, the, like, you've got to use love, you've got to use wisdom. That's why you've got to be in the, that's why you got to be in the war room first, which is in prayer, and then out of that, you'll have the heart of God, you'll be in the word, you'll have the knowledge of God, and from there, you can go and be effective to the people you minister to. Now, with all of that said... You're still not going to be liked. This isn't about being liked. Who told you it was? Who told you this whole Christianity thing was about being liked? Because it's nowhere in the Bible. Jesus said just the opposite. You're going to be hated. You're going to be resisted. They, cru <laughs> they crucified the guy you follow. Remember? And you and I are just jostling like, I don't want to, I, I don't know, what if they don't like me at work? You, you showed up at the wrong place. You signed up for the wrong thing. Somebody, somebody lied to you. I'm sorry. But I'm telling you what the word of God says. Yeah, you're not, like, like probably the majority of the people you talk to, they're going to resist. They're not going to want to hear it. They don't care anymore. They're, they're, they're lawless. Like Jesus said, they're completely debaucherous. 
They're on their own course to hell. They want to go to hell. That's the reality. But your calling is to stand in front of them and at least make it a little bit more difficult than it would have been. That's what your calling is. Just at least make it, at least make them think about it for a moment. At least, at least cause them to stop for just a moment on the road to hell and stop and contemplate and think maybe, just maybe, with this fanatic and crazy Christian who says they love me and says they care about me, maybe they're telling me the truth. But you never do that if you quit. You never do that if you give up. That would have never happened for the Apostle Paul. You wouldn't be here today if the Apostle Paul would have laid down. You understand me? I got to quit because I'm getting stirred up and excited. You and I would not be here today if the Apostle Paul would have laid there that day and said, you know what? This is too much. I'm just this. I can't do this anymore. And you know what? You and your family go to hell. But thank God we have in the record of Scripture an example of what Christian biblical perseverance looks like. How many are thankful that Paul got up? Come on, let's stand. Why don't they come and sing? Folks, without a genuine burning heart and a perseverance within us, we're gonna make little impression on the current world. But at the same time, I'm excited because I don't, I don't want to get on a soapbox, but the truth is that culturally, in our culture, in America, like where, where we're at, what pertains to us, we're seeing a lot of weakness infiltrate our society. Weak men, especially. Weak, cowardly, like... I'm not trying to be funny. Please don't laugh. This is like scientifically, I saw this. You can read it. Literally, like this testosterone levels of men are going way down. That's the truth. That's scientifically proven. Literally, men are becoming weaker. And it's happening at a much broader and faster scale spiritually than it is physically. So what the world needs to see are strong, courageous, bold people. But, but you don't just become that way on your own. You become that way the closer you come to Christ. The closer you are to Jesus. That's where our courage, that's where our strength, that's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I love, I'm ending this, I love what Jesus does in that last passage in Matthew 16 because he, he uses John the Baptist like, Think about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a man's man. Like this guy is wearing animal skins and eating locusts while he's preaching. <laughs> Repent, the kingdom of heaven is nigh. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Like he's like, and, and everybody's going like, <gasps> look at this man. He doesn't wash his hands when he preaches. And then Jesus says this to me the greatest motivational speech ever given to humanity. King James doesn't say this. King, King James says it this way. What did you come to see? I love this. He's talking about John the Baptist, right? He's crude. He's turned the status quo of religion upside down. And he's like, what did you come to see? You come to see some soft, some guy in soft raiment? Like he's, he's literally speaking against the softness of religion, the fluffiness, the ineffective of, of, of religious traditionalism. Because he uses this, what, it would have made sense to them, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but, but what would happen in those days is they would hire children to come to parties and the children would play the flute and everybody would dance to a certain song. And when the, when the singing, or when the flute stopped, the, the dancing stopped. Dancing, or the flute started, song started, dancing started. And he's referring to the current religious system of being just like that. Come in, kneel, sit, pray, stand. Okay, yep, I came in, I did my hour and 20 minutes, I had my Bible, and now I'm going back home, and I'm gonna put it back in its nice spot, and then next, month, next week, I'll be in the same place. <laughs> He's like, what you, is that what you come to see? They would hire professional mourners, so, so I would die, and, and really I had no impact on people's lives, so my wife would not wanna dis, disgrace our 
our names so she would hire mourners. That's what they would do in the biblical times. And they would hire people that were professional mourners. And they would come to the funeral. Oh, he was such a good man. Oh, I can't, I can't believe he's gone. He had such an impact on me. And then as soon as it was done, hey, you got my five? Come on, pay me. Let's go. Give me my money. And Jesus is like, that's what religion is. You come in and you, you wear your cross necklace. You got your Bible with your name on it. It's big Bible because that means you're really spiritual. It's a little, you're carrying it. And that's modern Christianity. He's like, that's what you came to see? To me, it's the greatest motivational speech because Jesus is like, if that's what you came to see with me, you missed it. I came to turn the world upside down. I came to turn things upside down. I came to lift people out of death. I came to bring people out of bondage. I came to tear down strongholds. I came to, to put demons to flight. I came to show the love of the Father. I came to show the power of God. I came to empower people who are willing to sell out to me and allow the power and the anointing that I will give them to flow through them and see people lifted out of the bondage of death Hell and the grave. Somebody say amen. Yes. So here's how I end. Why don't you close your eyes for a minute? I'm not doing an altar call. I'm doing, I listen, I feel like this is, this was important, the last part. Here's my question. So you just eyes are closed. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Are you going through a hard time? This message was not meant to diminish your hard time. Not at all. It was meant to show you that hard times are reality. And your hard time is as important as anyone else on planet Earth. No matter what it is, your trial, your wayward daughter, your your struggle on the job, your struggle with it, whatever it is. Are you being opposed internally? Are you just being, is, are you being, are you burning inside with temptation? I, I would bet statistically that there is a man in this room that burns inside with lust and pornography and you want with everything in you to stop. But it burns and it, and it draws you back. But today you're like, I want to quit. I want to stop. You're being opposed. Maybe it's something else. If you're in this room this morning and you're being fought hard, I want to tell you this. Keep pressing on. Don't quit now. Don't give up. Hold tighter to Jesus than you ever have. Don't let the condemnation of your sin and your failure keep you from running to Christ. In fact, today, run harder to Jesus than you ever have. Run to Christ. Run to God. Run to his word. He is merciful. He is caring. He will give you the strength that you need. You can't continue on in your own strength, but you can continue in the strength of Christ. Don't give up now. It's going to be worth it all in just a little bit. Listen to me again. Don't quit now. It's going to be worth it all in just a little while. In just a little while, you're going to see him, Jesus, face to face. And all of this is going to be washed away. All of this is going to be over. And you're going to be given your reward from Christ himself. Don't quit. Don't give up. Now, if that's you, eyes are closed, heads are bowed, I want you to come to this front. I want you to come right here and pray. And you say, man, I'm in the fire, but I'm not quitting. Come on. If that's you, come on. I know. In the balcony, wherever you just come here, unashamedly, Get at the altar, press into Jesus starting right now. I'm not quitting, I'm not giving up, I'm not going back, I'm not, I'm not backing down. Come on, I know there's multitudes. Come on, come on, everybody. Let's do it, let's do it together. The rest of you, while there, if you're not in the fire, it's coming. I'm telling you right now, it's coming. And when you're up here, you're gonna want somebody praying for you. So my suggestion would be pray for those that are coming. Come on, let's sing. Come on, everybody, let's do it. Press in. 
We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you did, make sure you like and share on social media to help spread God's word. If you'd like to learn more about The Bridge or if you'd like to give, you can go to our website at thebridge129.org. Again, thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.